to Commitment to Truth, the outreach ministry of Commitment Community Church, a place for all nations. To learn more about Commitment, please visit our website, www.commitmentchurch.org. Like us on Facebook and download our mobile app. Now, let's enjoy today's message. So before I get started, I'm going to get out of the way and we're going to ask God to commit speak to us here through his word. So let's, let's pray. Father, we thank you. We have this opportunity now to open your word. Uh, and I thank you for this worship, Father, the opportunity we have to lift our praises to you. Uh, Father, you are worthy of our praise, and only you are worthy of our praise. And I thank you that we have opportunity to do that. So now as we open your word, Father, I pray that uh, you will speak through me, through your word, to each one of us here today, that we may grow and learn and improve our service. In Jesus' name we pray. Amen. 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 Okay, we're doing a uh, sermon series here. Obviously, I speak too loud. Uh, actually, I asked them to turn it up. I'm having voice issues, so if you hear me clear my throat a hundred times, it sounds really loud. Sorry about that. Um, anyhow, um, we're doing a sermon series on serving, and it's called Improving Our Serve. Um, I want to kind of start with a, a little story. In 1979, Vladimir Bojev a tough, hard-drinking Russian unbeliever barged into a Baptist service in Russia and blustered, I'm going to destroy you all. You are just religious fanatics. To his surprise, a beautiful young lady suggested that the believers gather around him and pray for him. Bojev said, the next thing I knew, I was the center of a prayer circle. I had never before known such love. The Baptists invited him back, and Vladimir returned to meet with the Baptists daily for two months. He received Christ, married the young lady, and became pastor of a Baptist church in Lipetsk, 400 kilometers southwest of Moscow. Vladimir said, their love won me to Christ, and I was converted. Transformed lives convince others that our Christianity is genuine. Transformed lives attract others to Jesus. Serving is part of a transformed life, and that's what we want to talk about today. I'm going to start by reviewing a little bit from what Pastor talked about last week in Hebrews chapter 6. And as usual with me, you get used to me, keep them fingers limble, keep that phone going, because we're going to move really quick through a whole bunch of scripture. That's what I like to do. Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. In the very beginning, first half of the verse, it says, Therefore, leaving the elementary teaching about the Christ, let us press on to maturity. Elementary teaching here is talking about basically when you were introduced to Jesus Christ, when you first met him, when you first understood the concept of what he had done for you, and you were saved. That's the elemental teaching. That's the beginning. But what he's saying here is move on. A lot of times Christians stop there. They trust Christ as Savior. This is really cool. I'm going to heaven. I'm good. And that's the end of their spiritual growth. And he's saying, no, that's not what we're supposed to do. We're supposed to move on to maturity. Continuing on in verse 1. In verse one not laying again a foundation of repentance from dead works and of faith towards God. You don't get saved again and again and again. It's a one-time shot. When you trust Christ to save you, you're saved forever. It doesn't change. It doesn't go away no matter what you do. Verse 2, of instruction about washings and laying on of hands and the resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. And this we will do if God permits. He's talking here about uh, washing his baptism. 
laying on of hands at the early church in the book of Acts, you'll see that they, especially when the guys that were disciples of John the Baptist, they hadn't received the Holy Spirit. So they came and laid hands on them and they received the Holy Spirit. Also the laying on of hands you'll see used as imparting some kind of a special gift. Uh, you don't see a whole lot of that today. In James it talks about the laying on of hands for healing. Uh, there's, there's certain parts of it, but again, it's something that's basic, it's elemental. It's the beginning of your Christian walk. It's not something that comes on later. Okay? And then, of course, when it talks about resurrection of the dead and eternal judgment. That's end times. I have a friend of mine who got saved when he was in, as an adult, and he dove right into end time study. He spent his entire time watching videos from a guy named Jack Van Empey, who's a guy that does a lot of study and does a lot of videos on the book of Revelation and end time study. And for over a year, he spent his entire time studying end times. First of all, that's selfish. <laughs> uh, but second of all, he never grew. Because he didn't know who Jesus was. You know, the book of Revelation will become a lot more clear to you when you know who Jesus is. And what's going to happen in the future is going to be really cool when we know who Jesus is and who he is to us. So we can't get ourselves all wrapped up into these things. These are basic things that all Christians should know. We should move on from that. And that's really this, what we're trying to strive for here, is to help you understand that we can't be comfortable in our Christianity. We need to learn and grow. All right. Um, let's go to Hebrews chapter 6, verses 7 and 8. Let's move on to my next point, which is serving keeps us useful. You know, if you're keeping track there in the bulletin, I keep forgetting. The first part was mature, serving matures us, and the second one is serving keeps building us. So now we're going to talk about being useful, verses 7 and 8. For ground that drinks the rain, which often falls on it and brings forth vegetation, useful to those for whose sake it is also tilled, receives a blessing from God. But if it yields thorns and thistles, it is worthless and close to being cursed, and it ends up being burned. This is an example of what it is. As Christians, what we're to do, that ground is that ground that needs to be tilled, needs to be worked, needs to be weeded, needs to be watered. My wife has gardens all over the yard. We always, I always kid her so you could tell how, what kind of a year she's having with the kids by how many gardens we got in the yard. Because it's her therapy. It's what she does. I got lots of gardens in my yard. Anyhow, she works hard at these things. Uh, she's constantly weeding them. I've got five tons of mulch in the backyard. It's all over the place. But I'm telling you what, these are beautiful gardens. They're absolutely gorgeous, the work that she does. Because of the work she puts into it to make it look right. Our soul is the same thing. When we put that kind of work into our Christian walk, then our Christian walk is going to be beautiful. It's going to be seen by others and others will be drawn to it. But if you leave it alone, it becomes that dry, thirsty ground. And what you end up with is a bunch of weeds. And I don't know about you, but when it says close to being cursed and ends up being burned, that kind of makes me nervous. Let's go over to John. <clears throat> this is where we're going to start moving here. John chapter 15. Sorry. <clears throat> John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8. Should be a familiar passage to some of you. John chapter 15, verses 1 through 8 says, I am the true vine, and my father is the vine dresser. Every branch in me that does not bear fruit, he takes away. And every branch that bears fruit, he prunes, 
so that it may bear more fruit. You are already clean because of the word which I have spoken to you. Abide in me, and I in you. As the branch cannot bear fruit of itself unless it abides in the vine, so neither can you unless you abide in me. I am the vine, you are the branches. He who abides in me and I in him, he bears much fruit. For apart from me you can do nothing. If anyone does not abide in me, he is thrown away as a branch dries up. And they gather them and cast them into the fire, and they are burned. If you abide in me and my words abide in you, ask whatever you wish and it will be done for you. My Father is glorified by this, that you bear much fruit. And so prove you are my disciples. We're fruit bearers. That's what we're called to be. And we bear fruit by serving. You're not going to bear fruit by sitting. Just as that ground, if it's not tilled and worked, is not going to bear fruit, neither will we. But yet we're called to bear fruit. And here's the interesting part. I always like this part. Where he says, if you bear fruit, he's going to prune you so that you bear more. Mm -hmm. uh, I've always thought that if, if God, at the moment of salvation, revealed to us all of our sin, we, we would be so disgusted with ourselves, we would never make it. Mm -hmm. Because we're pretty disgusting creatures in our flesh. So God, what he does... He'll give you enough to understand that you need him. But then as you begin to walk with him and as you begin to grow in Christ, he'll reveal other things that you're doing that need to be get, getting rid of so that you can continue to grow. Amen. Sometimes it hurts. Mm -hmm. Pruning is cutting after all. Mm -hmm. So there's some pain involved. Yeah. Uh, I, can, I can relate a couple of times uh, when I have been extremely embarrassed uh, by some of the sin that's been revealed to me. That God just said it's time for you to deal with this and get rid of it. So I'm going to tell you that if you're sitting comfy in your chair, uh, you ain't grown. Because we all need pruning. And if you're not being pruned and you're not growing, you may be that branch that's dried up and is broken off and thrown into the fire. I'm going to get real clear on that as we move on. Okay, point number four, serving makes examples of us. Back to Hebrews chapter 6, we'll go to verse 9. <clears throat> Hebrews 6, 9 says, But beloved, we are convinced of better things concerning you and things that accompany salvation that we are speaking in this way. I love the way he does this here. This is his way of saying, okay, guys, I know you're okay. You're, you're serving. You're okay. I didn't mean to be so mean. Uh, I'm sorry. But, <laughs> for God is not unjust, verse 10, so as to forget your work and the love which you have shown toward his name and in having ministered and in still ministering to the saints. And we desire that each one of you show the same diligence so as to realize the full assurance of hope until the end. Folks, I, I, and all churches are the same, so don't feel we're any different here. 10% uh, of the people do 90% of the work. It's the nature of church. Uh, I've never been really excited about those numbers, but that just seems to be the way it is. Uh, and what he's saying here is look at those people that are doing the work and do what they do. Be diligent like they're diligent. Let them be examples to you so that you can be an example to others. And I look at it this way. <clears throat> For those of you that have children, there's one thing you need to understand. 
your child will become you. I don't care what you say to that child. When that child grows up, he will be you. And for those of you that know my son, you know what I'm talking about. I'm my daddy. There's no doubt in my mind. As I've grown up, I've become my dad. But there's parts of my dad, the sin that was in his life, I also did. Because he drank and he smoked, and I did the same thing. Even though he told me not to do that. So that didn't matter, because I became my dad. I would say, those of you that are parents, I would encourage you to understand that what you do is, means a whole lot more than what your words say. Because your words aren't going to carry any weight if you ain't doing what you said. Because your kids are going to become you. So what kind of example are you? Verse 12 says, So that you will not be sluggish, but imitators of those who through faith and patience inherit the promises. The word sluggish there means slothful, lazy. I am a fan of, when it comes to scripture, it's pretty clear black or white. You either are a Christian or you're not. You're either walking with God or you're not. And in this case, you're either lazy or you're not. If you're serving God, you're good. If you're not serving God, you're lazy. Because that's why you're not serving. Is it? No, I don't know. Philippians, please, chapter 4. <clears throat> Philippians, chapter 4, um, verses 8 and 9. Uh, I have two purposes, one for each verse. Philippians 4, 8 is a verse that I like to use and I've always taught that it's a verse that you can use for, should I watch this movie? Should I listen to this music? Is this a video game that I should be playing? Uh, Philippians 4.8, I think, is the test for that kind of thought process. And it says this, finally, brother, whatever is true, whatever is honorable, whatever is right, whatever is pure, whatever is lovely, whatever is of good repute, if there is any excellence, if anything worthy of praise, dwell in these things. So hey, what kind of music you listen to? Does it fit in this category? Does it fit in these things? Is it worthy of praise? Is it honorable? Is it good? Is it true? When you're walking into that movie theater, that movie that you're going to watch, does it have anything to be praised about? Is it good? Is it true? Is it honorable? I agree. There ain't a whole lot out there. But verse 9 is the one I really want to point out. Okay? This is kind of my, my verse, my life verse. This is what I want to be when I grow up, if I ever grow up. Which says, the things you have learned and received and heard and seen in me, practice these things and the God of peace will be with you. That was Paul's testimony to the people. Follow God, because follow me because I'm following God. I would like to be able to say the same thing. I ain't there yet. I'm working on it. He's still pruning me. But that should be our goal in life, especially with our kids. Follow me because I'm following God. The last point. 
I want to make, Yvonne, before I get there, let me do one more thing. James chapter 2. James chapter 2, verse 15. It's kind of an interesting little thing about the concept of serving. If a brother or sister is without clothing and in need of daily food, and one of you says to them, Go in peace, be warmed, and be filled, and yet you do not give them what is necessary for their body, what use is that? Even so, faith, if it has no works, is dead, being by itself. And I'm going to get to that right now. Because the last point is serving is part of salvation. John chapter 3. Interesting little story. John chapter 3. <clears throat> I'm not going to read it. I'm going to tell you about it because it's a little different. A guy named Nicodemus. Nicodemus was a teacher of the word. And you have to remember that in the time of Jesus Christ, the only word they had was Genesis to Malachi. So it was all Old Testament stuff. They didn't have a New Testament then. So Nicodemus is a teacher of the Old Testament. And he comes to Jesus, and he wants to ask Jesus a question. But like all good <clears throat> men of God, he first butters them up. He says, hey, we know you're of God because no one can do the things that you do because you're of God. And Jesus says to him, I say to you, you must be born again if you're going to enter into the kingdom. Now, Jesus would never say that to Peter, James, John, or Andrew, or any of the other disciples, because they wouldn't have had a clue what he was talking about. But Nicodemus should have known better. That's why Jesus hit him right between the eyes with what he said. Because as a teacher of the Word of God, he should know what he's talking about. Because, see, in the Old Testament, salvation is there. And a lot of us think, oh, you know, it's just, just history. I'm sorry to tell you that the salvation of Jesus Christ is in the Old Testament. And in your notes on the next page, where you see number two where it says further verses to look into, you'll see Genesis chapter two, and you'll see Joshua, the story of Abraham and Isaac and Rahab. And you'll understand about salvation in the Old Testament. And if you want to learn those stories, see me here Wednesday at 6.30. I'll be in that room back there in my little engage group. You come see me Wednesday at 6.30. We'll go over that. I don't have time to do that now. But Nicodemus should have known better. But Nicodemus is a wise guy. I'll give him credit for guts because I never would have said to Jesus what he said. But he said, if I'm born again, what, am I supposed to crawl back up inside a mom and be born again? That doesn't make sense. And Jesus said, no, you don't get it. What is born of the flesh is flesh, and what is born of the spirit is spirit. In other words, you're born as a child, as a human being, and then you're born as a child of God. It's two different things. You're born of the water and of the spirit. When mama's water breaks, we're all going to the hospital. Right? So that's you're born of the flesh. Or you're born of the spirit. They're two different things. And Jesus is trying to help Nicodemus understand that. That, yeah, you're born as a human being, but there's a second point where you need to really be reborn. So what in the world does that look like? John 3.16 God so loved the world that he gave his only begotten Son that whosoever believes in him shall not perish and have everlasting life. And herein, I think we run into the problem. James chapter 2, verse 19. James chapter 2, <clears throat> verse 19 says, You believe that God is one, you do well. 
demons also believe and tremble. See, a lot of times we think that in order to get saved, and I think as a minister of God, sometimes I shortchange people when it comes to salvation and the way it's presented. Because we say to you, all you got to do is believe and say this prayer, you're good. But that's because we're talking about a repentance of the mind. When we talk about repentance, we talk about changing your mind, changing your direction of your life and going in a different direction. But I think we miss something. And I think what we're missing is the heart. You go to Romans chapter 10, verses 9 and 10, which is uh, uh, when we, we talk about salvation and what is necessary, there's a thing called the Romans road. Romans 3.23, Romans 6.23, Romans 5.8, and then Romans 10, 9 and 10. So Romans 10... 9 and 10 say that if you confess with your mouth Jesus is Lord that's cool and believe in your heart that God raised him from the dead you will be saved for with the heart the person believes resulting in righteousness and with the mouth he confesses resulting in salvation so I think we're missing the heart problem there's a repentance of the heart that's necessary not just a repentance of the mind. You heard on the thing that the pastor talked about last week <clears throat> about the concept of love and how if you love someone, you'll serve. Uh, and marriage is the greatest example of that. Uh, there's a reason why God uses the institution of marriage to be a picture of Christ in the church. Uh, I've been married for 36 years. Praise God. Amen. Not because of me. <laughs> I want to tell you that it took that long for me to learn how to love. When I first loved my wife, I did things for her. I didn't buy her flowers and all that fun stuff. Of course, I expected something in return. But now I don't. Now I know just because I know she appreciates it. We have a deal in our home. He who cooks doesn't do dishes. I have dishpan hands. Because <laughs> I don't cook. <laughs> but I know when my wife comes down in the morning, because uh, I do give her coffee, when she comes, while well, you guys go to dinner, you wives will be really talking to you later on after service. Uh, but uh, when she comes down in the morning to get ready for work, I, I love to make sure her kitchen's clean. Because that makes her feel good. Now, she don't need to tell me, Oh, honey, thank you so much for doing your dinner. <laughs> it's totally unnecessary. I do it because I love it. Because I've learned and understood what it means to have unconditional love. And marriage has taught me that. But that's the same love we're to have for Christ because he has it for us. In 1 John it says we love him because he loved first loved us. And it's that same kind of love we have for our wives. I love my wife because she loved me. But now I'm learning how to love her no matter what. And that's the same love we should have for Christ. And out of that love should be born our desire to serve him. See, we don't serve him because our heart hasn't changed. That's what it is. It's a heart problem. If you're comfortable in your Christianity, your heart needs some work. But somewhere along the line, your heart stopped. And your heart went somewhere else.
Ephesians 2. Ephesians 2, verses 8 through 10. Ephesians 2, 8 and 9 are one of them verses that we memorize as kids. Um, and if you get to get do one-on-one -on -one discipleship, you better memorize it too. <clears throat> Just saying. Uh, and it says, For by grace you've been saved through faith, and that not of yourselves. It's a gift of God, not as a result of work, so that no one could boast. And we all know that, and we kind of hang our head on that. We're saved by grace through faith, not because of the works that we do. Because if you remember, I talked about dead works in, in Hebrews chapter 6, verse 1. And those dead works is everything that you did before you were saved. Because everything you did up until the moment you trusted Christ as Savior is burned up and gone. Because it don't matter. Because it wasn't done for Christ. Because when you stand before Jesus Christ at the beam seat, only what's done for him is what's going to matter. You can walk a hundred little old ladies across the street. But if you did it because she said thank you, it ain't going to matter now. But if you did it because you wanted to hand her a Google card, <laughs> as the things we hand out for church, <laughs> there's got to be a reason for it. Uh, when I had the opportunity to coach basketball, uh, I always prayed with my kids before the game. I don't care if your parents don't like it. If you don't like it, pull your kid out of the team. I'd play for somebody else. Because that's what we need to be doing, is sharing the love of Christ. Yeah. And we've got to be bold about it. Because, yeah. see, that's where verse 10 comes in. And I think when we do Ephesians 2, 8, and 9, we kind of don't go to verse 10. But verse 10 says, For we are his workmanship, created in Christ Jesus for good works, which God prepared beforehand, so we would walk in them. God already has the works for you planned. He already knows what he wants you to do. It's already there. All you got to do is do it. Uh, I had a missionary in our church when I was young. That was a long time ago. And uh, <laughs> that's why I'm sitting there. Uh, and uh, she had a job working at Pensacola Christian College, working with young people who were going to school to become missionaries. And she said she had a girl come into her room for a counseling session. And she said to her, she says, you know, where, where do you think you want to serve? What, what do you want to do? And she says, well, I don't know. I'm waiting for God to open the door. And she goes, well, how are you going to know if the door's open? <laughs> Unless you grab a hold of that handle and walk through it. You see, so many times we do that as Christians. We say, well, I'm waiting for God to reveal to me what he wants me to do or what he wants me to be. Got a long wait. Because if you don't get up and do it, you're not going to know. If you walk through the door and God says no and he closes it, well, then you know that ain't the place to go. Go somewhere else. You know, we have a thing here where you can, you can trial ministries, where you can spend some time in a ministry for a little while and see if it's for you. Give it a shot, man. There's a lot of ministries in this church where you have an opportunity to, to see where God wants you to be. And you'll know. You'll know pretty quick. You gotta walk through the door. You know, I, I, as as the guy that's been running his kids for so many years, uh, I struggle with the idea of trying to get teachers. And it gets to the point where I start to walk up to people, they turn and run the other way because <laughs> they know why I'm coming here. <clears throat> but hey, give it a shot. Our kids need to learn about Jesus. Who's going to tell them? 
there anybody here that doesn't know about Jesus? Hey, you know what? If you don't know anything about the Old Testament, because a lot of us are what we call New Testament Christians, we weren't raised in church, so we don't know the Old Testament stories. You want to learn the Old Testament stories? Go, t go teach Sunday school. Mm -hmm. It's the best way to learn. Yeah. Yeah. If you miss Sunday school as a child, take it as an adult. <laughs> it's just a great opportunity for you. 2 Corinthians 5, 10. 2 Corinthians 5.10, for we must all appear before the judgment seat of Christ, so that each one will be recompensed for his deeds according to what he's done, whether good or bad. We will all, we will all appear before Jesus Christ. And he's not going to want to know how good your basketball team was, or whether you put your kids in dance class. He's going to want to know what you did for that's all that's going to matter. Everything else is that ground that's got thorns and thistles and gets burned up. Everything else is that withered branch that gets torn off the vine and thrown into the fire. And the only thing that you're going to carry with you for eternity is what you've done for Christ because of a heart of love. So right now what I'd like you to do as worship team comes up, is I would like you to take an opportunity while they're playing the last song, to sit and really reflect on where your heart is. Who do you love? Do you love God? Do you really, really, really love God? Then you'll serve. You can't do one without the other. I would like to suggest that if you're not serving God, you don't love him. And if you don't love him, you may want to take a serious look at whether or not you're saved to begin with. Do you really know what he did for you on the cross of Calvary? And if you have anything in your heart, anything you need to get rid of, folks, the altar's open. And I would encourage you to take the opportunity, man. Lay it down before God. Tell him you love him. Thank you for listening to Commitment to Truth, the outreach ministry of Commitment Community Church. If you would like to learn more about Jesus Christ, please visit our website, www.commitmentchurch.org forward slash start. This website will walk you through having a personal relationship with God through Jesus Christ. Please let us know if you made a decision to follow Christ as your personal Lord and Savior, or if you would like to support God's word through this ministry, please visit our website at www.commitmentchurch.org. Lastly, if you or your family are in the South Jersey or Philly metro area, please visit us at Commitment Community Church.